when my mom and I went and saw uh, the return of the King and it was like opening weekend or whatever packed theater down in Seattle and a few rows in front of us as we were waiting for like previews hadn't even started yet. There was this total, just like the absolute epitome of Lord of the Rings fan couple (laughs) just going (laughs) at it in their seats. And, um, and everybody was just like disgusted and groaning. And there's this poor, like 13 year old looking boy sitting directly behind them. <laughs> and my mom, being my mom, started trying to chuck popcorn at them to get them to stop. And like other people started too. But this poor little kid is stuck behind these two just oh, gross man. people macking out, getting pelted with popcorn <laughs> from everybody trying to hit Wait, the making out or fighting? Making out. Oh, <laughs> I thought they were like fighting angry. Oh, no. Yeah, I know. Oh, okay, they okay, were, okay. Like, all over Going each at other. It. Yeah. at it, if you know yeah. what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oh, that poor child. I know, I felt so bad. I was like, Mom, stop, you're just hitting the poor kid. Place presents a perfectly set. Oh, I just pinched my arm. Oh, I don't even. I don't even in have to interrupt s- you anymore. You just in my you spinny just do chair. Do it yourself. Oh my gosh, <laughs> Jeff, you pooped on the floor again. I pooped on the floor. Um, welcome to a perfectly acceptable podcast, episode two hundred and eighty-one. If I'm not mistaken, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Comics Place presents. You know, it's a comic podcast where a bunch of people who run a comic shop together gather around because they love comics. They love each other. And Roman smells like the the most wonderful combination of earthy tones and sensual oils. You know, <laughs> think back to your first time and think about what you thought things smelled like afterwards. It's Roman. And then throw some soil on it. And that's Roman. Um, I am always in Jeff. I'm Django. I'm, I'm Roman. If you come to the store, you can smell me. And what a treat it is. Week. What a treat. Yeah, you need to be there on Tuesdays. That's wait, Tuesdays. Yeah. For that. Yeah. Um, don't, don't wear a really in. crappy mask so you can actually smell. <laughs> well, yeah, we can always go out true, on the that's sidewalk. True, that's oh. true. That's true. Mm-hmm. Uh, the mask mandate oh, well. has really decreased the number of people coming into the store because they can't smell Roman. So they're like, why would I even go in? It's fine. They come in and they can definitely smell me even through their mask. Yeah. So. Wait, who are you? Like, that that's because a... I'm Colette. Fresh mom <laughs> scent. Whoa. Crazy. Crazy line. <laughs> Sounds different than I meant it to. That's because it's a comic podcast, everybody. And it goes exactly where you think it's going to go. Um, listen, this week we've got a lot of questions and a lot of answers. We had a lot of important things we need to deal with. We do not have an email from William Jedediah Elmer. So. Oh, 281? 281, I have to assume. I have to assume. Um, I do have an email from the Fairhaven Middle School All School Fundraiser Sponsorship Request. That is... <laughs> managed to find its way into my podcast emails. So I will forego that one, but I will toss a question out to the three of you. And I haven't thought of it yet. And it will come to me as I say words. I think it would start with like, hey guys, uh, congratulations on episode 281. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm, Did mm -hmm. you know that there are 281 Ravens uh, depicted in the entire series of Sandman? Okay. And speaking of... (laughs) 
281, which is 100 more than Wolverine's first appearance and 100 more than uh, Poison Ivy's first appearance in Batman. Mm -hmm. And Sandman, which is on television along with Paper Girls. Yes. I, Will Elmer, have a question for you. Uh Uh-huh. And that question is, uh, ravens are one of very few animals that have a direct tie to vampiric lore. And the as another famous animal tied to vampiric lore, Bonicula in the children's novel Bonicula. Bonicula. And we all love animals that are possibly evil. What is your favorite comic that has an animal in it that is maybe evil? What's your favorite bad guy animal? Duh. What's your so everyone? What's your favorite bad? animal and a comic this this one is so easy for me jeff is it so easy i feel like it's almost cheating oh my goodness gracious okay 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 it's the water bear and shirtless bear fighter (gasps) too clearly what a great segue what a great segue (laughs) we're gonna have to spend some time on that one later in the podcast (laughs) when we talk about shirtless bear fighter number two can i say joker fish Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. favorite bad animal and joker you, fish you just did yeah i mean we have to ask will if that's an acceptable answer i hardly know her fish but i think you're right oh <laughs> excuse me what's that all over my face it's egg i've got egg all over my face because i walked into a barn and just got comic slapped bad animals bad animals does it have bad. to be a, a real animal or like a does bad w- one does wendigo count that's a good one that's a good answer rather it's a bad animal that's a good answer cryptozoology it's like cryptocurrency has the potential for evil that's or true any, or any issue of thor that has a uh, fenris in it Fen- fenrir fenris yeah was, yes the big wolf i was gonna say thory the murdered hound because that oh! is absolutely my favorite but my first thought uh that only just came to me because all i could think about was bartok from anastasia the animated movie uh who is yeah. maybe my absolute favorite um and uh semi bad uh animal ever created i need to i I never saw that movie what's what what kind of animal is it he's a bat little white bat voiced by uh hank azaria and uh um i just (laughs) maybe a bat guy whenever i am really annoyed with anybody i have a line from that movie play in my head from bartok and he goes (laughs) i give her a and a hi yeah oh you remember that speaker sir and i oh and then in a geeker sir it just always plays in my head whenever i'm annoyed and feeling um I saw that movie only one time. It was in the movie theater when it came out because my local movie theater did the thing where parents, if they needed to be able to go Christmas shopping around the time of Christmas, could go in and if they brought a can of food, they your kid could go see a movie while you went out and shopped downtown. That's cool. Homemade liability. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I think back on, I'm like, man, that's a lot of unattended children. Well, yeah. (laughs) And on the topic of unattended children. We've got a podcast for you, and it's got a lineup of comic books that we're going to talk about. So scoop your kids up. Don't leave the speakers on because it's probably going to get rowdy. Oh, did you say naughty? I said body. Oh, I said rowdy. Did you say rowdy? Yeah. But you roadhouse. It's about to get roadhousey. Um, in preparation for the anniversary re-release of Jaws, we thought it would be wonderful to start this episode off with Batman One Bad Day Riddler number one. We're also going to talk about Dark Spaces Wildfile number number <laughs> Dark Spaces Wildfall number two. <laughs> We're going to talk about True Cult number one. And if you didn't know how to pronounce uh, it, we didn't either. 
And we're also going to talk about Daredevil number two or 650. And as that discussion begins, I think that we should put to bed the idea of dual representing those numbers. And we should, as a group, decide, are we going to do legacy numbering on Marvel books when it's available or issue number strictly as it said no spoilers listeners dear dear listeners who are excited to have on this journey we don't have an answer yet but i can't wait to get into it but that's not what we're doing right now that's something that we believe in doing but it's not something that we do Django, what is it that we do we talk about the comics that we read uh after we process the comics that we got at the comic shop that we all own and work at and manage and miss micromanage and <laughs> fall apart in and put back together in and eat in, drink in, shit our pants in. Shit our pants in, in and sometimes shit other people's pants in. That was the weirdest day of my life, Jeff. Well, I don't know which one you're talking about, frankly, um, because there's a lot of them. Pants. It was I think I, pants. I do. I could be wrong. I may have even already done all that, Django. I was going to say, what do we do? We talk about Batman, One Bad Day, Riddler, number oh, one. We did all. Man, I was spacing out. Were you thinking about whether or not you could convince people all. that I've been grooming you? Is that what you were thinking about? No, I was thinking about how we were going to talk about the Daredevil thing. And I was hoping you were going to say we were going to stick a pin in it. And then I was going to be able to say we're going to shove a pin in it. Uh, but we should just talk about Batman One Bad Day because that was yeah. that was a weird dark place. You I know had. what we'll do? We'll table that and we'll go <laughs> oh, to this. Oh, okay. We'll just <laughs> stick it on the table, shove it on the table. Um, I just want to share. I just got a text message right as we get into this. This is for all of our listeners. I don't think this is inappropriate for me to say on here. I just got a text message from one of our wonderful customers at the store, Sean Heason, and he says that another person just mistook me for Garfield the Deals Warlock from Adventure Zone. He's uh, cosplaying down at Emerald City Comic Con. Um, and I love that. Sean, you're not going to hear this because I don't think you listen to this because why? But uh, we love you, bud. <laughs> Tom King and Mitch Garris wrote a comic book that came out this week. It is 64 pages long. There are no ads in it. It has special gloss treatment on the back and front cover. Of some which- covers. Which, oh, sorry, you're absolutely correct <laughs> on the A cover, which That's means I read it though, because Spot Gloss does it for me. Roman, Colette, can I put you two on the spot? Can you two duke it out right now? What do you think of this comic book? Because, or what, what even, what even was this thing? Uh, Roman should go first. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> it was, <laughs> it was perfection in 64 pages. Uh, Whoa, it's... <laughs> nice, dude. <laughs> I love the Riddler and I think he's so underused in, in comics. Um, in fact, the, the Batman movie was like one of the first great Riddler stories, representations we've had in years. And this one's right up there too. Um, it's, and I don't think this, no, it's not black label. Cause it refers to uh, events in the killing joke. Yeah. Good um, point. It's uh, it's a great Riddler story that also, fills in more details about his origin than we've ever known before. Um, and it was very, very good. <laughs> it's typical Tom King stuff where, you know, there's flashbacks and it's not confusing. There's no time stamps or anything, but there's flashbacks and, and current stuff happening. And it all gels very nicely at the end. I, uh, you know, I would say that in my pant. So yes, Roman, well done. Well done. Good Lord. How to, how to package this in an explanation. I think you did a great job. So uh-huh. then getting into the meat to, to, to explore the space between the, the chef and the meat. Colette, I just realized, did you want to say anything? I did jump into a thing I had. No, it's okay. Cause this is so good. 
it deserves to be lauded for how good it is. There is kind of a giant pet peeve thing for me in it Ooh. that kept throwing me off the whole way through. And I felt like it deserved to have the people who didn't get annoyed by that talk about how great it is before I talk about it because it was so good, but I couldn't get past some stuff within it. And I totally... A little peek behind the comic book podcast creation curtain right there people yeah um we will inevitably get into how good this is but i don't think i can go any further than (laughs) this without knowing what it is that you're talking about but i want to say that i totally agree because when i think that something is perfect or near perfect the small blemishes or maybe large i don't know um become even more glaring so i I just a solidarity you're in a safe space here okay okay what what is so I hate when, um, or I don't hate, but it usually takes me out of a reading experience when characters are clear representations of celebrities. John Ham Or real actors. Yeah, the John Ham threw me off somewhat. That was a little less so. But so the flashbacks in this are Enigma uh, or Edward Nigma whack when he, I don't remember his original first name, but when he's in prep school, Um, and is a genius and his father is the headmaster who's an abusive asshole but it's a total play on dead poet society Mm -hmm. which is great amazing story cool thing to reference really interesting reference to it but young nigma looks just like young ethan hawk from the dead poet society movie and his father, the headmaster, looks just like Kurtwood Smith, who's the asshole dad in Dead Poet Society. And it's the fact that it's not just celebrity references, but celebrity references from the thing in that it's schoolhouse. referencing. Yeah. That just every time I got to one of those scenes, it took me out of the story and threw me off. Thank God they didn't make the teacher look like Robin Williams. Dude. Otherwise, I don't think I could have so enjoyed it. I, I, but it just every time a, I'd be like, this is so good. No, I back into it and I'd be reading and I'm like, OK, I'm into it. And then it'd be another flashback and it would just pull me out of the reading so, experience. I think that, that's, that's a, a totally valid point yeah. that happens to me in certain things all the time. And again, when I saw Bruce in here, like, there's a couple panels that are clearly John Hamm. I was totally with you. But it makes me want to have a conversation about what we think Mitch Garrett's process is. I don't know as much about like photoshop or anything but django i think you're you know quite good with it do you like what do you think he's doing is that is that looking at an image and then starting from the bottom up and doing that or is it having a photo and like photo tracing it in a in a thing but it's it's not quite the alex malieve like here's a photo and then here's a filter on it like what what does everyone think the process in this is because that like piggybacking off collects thought that was a thing that i was thinking about while reading it so i think you could say that it took me out of it I, but I, I was like what is this process i did i haven't watched dead poet society enough to recognize that so that didn't bother me at all if it I didn't for guess, me either because i haven't seen it more than the one time so if sure. i had to guess i didn't even catch the john ham thing and this is my favorite bruce wayne drawings in probably 30 years um if i had to guess i think that he's just really good at looking at a picture and drawing somebody that looks like that i don't mm-hmm. think that it's photo mm-hmm. reference in the way that a lot of those early star wars books from 2016 right, 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 right. or the way that uh mike diodato does it i think mike diodato is is basically just uh like reworking screenshots which I love the way he does it. I wouldn't like that in here. These look like drawings that are probably made to look like a, a specific person. And, and and that may be me being too charitable charitable to Mitch Garrett's, but 
well it's it, it's it doesn't look like screen caps yeah yeah never it doesn't thought, for me yeah i don't think it looks like screen caps i think it looks like an intentional choice to make these mm-hmm. characters look like those people because yeah. there are definitely shots too that it doesn't look just like them right but the majority clearly do yeah. it and i don't dislike the choice to do it mm-hmm. it just didn't do it for me like even the john ham because he's not playing john ham playing batman didn't throw me off nearly as much i liked the the look for a bruce wayne but it yeah anyway no i i, I think it's so well said good. it just was yeah. more noticeable because it was no so i think good. you're totally right and that the point i think has been well made i am interested yeah it is an interesting choice to do i'm always fascinated by the art behind the scenes of like seeing artists like show the camera shot of them posing in a pose and then the art that they made based on it and stuff so i'm mm-hmm. interested between the relationship between mitch garrett's and that <laughs> but it would be great mitch we'll have you on the show soon i'm sure um so clearly we're all fans of it in varying degrees uh i would have said it was the best comic that came out this week before Django showed me an awesome thing that I only just confirmed because I, you know, had been busy and not able to re relook at this until right as we were all talking about it. But one of my favorite things in all of comic book history was the moment that Django showed me that in Batman, the killing joke, um, the transitional scenes, the last panel of a scene oftentimes is the like fundamentally the same panel of the next transition, but with different people in different places. And it's just like the most masterful Alan Moore, Brian Ballin thing. It's like a movie dissolve. It's like a very smooth transition on every scene. It's the best thing ever. And it's one of the most impressive things I've ever seen in comics. Didn't ever realize it myself. Jen had to point it out. Read this book, which is clearly in so many ways an homage to Killing Joke, while I think also really wonderfully walking the line of not being overtly, you know, like... uh, like three jokers was wonderful but it was like very much an homage to killing joke Mm -hmm. in a certain way Mm -hmm. and this i feel like had a life of its own while also fundamentally having some some common dna the name comes from the killing joke Mm -hmm. yeah yeah exactly yeah one bad day um but there's many transitional scenes in here that are i forget exactly how you described it Django. um they are not one of them is like a textual reference to the next scene like a th- you described it as like maybe thin, like not visual but thematic, yeah, or like metaphorical, but like, but yeah, it's contextual, exactly, or thematic. Like you know, at one point, uh, you know, what house is this? He's saying, and then it cuts to a shot. It's everything transitions. I can't even point them all out because I went through and just looked at all of them, and I was like, holy shit! Not only did I not realize this once again while reading it, and Django is telling it to me, but it is some of the most fluid, impressive comic booking ever i i just have to put it up like th- to do transitions that way blows me away so that was a thing that i just had to say is one of the most impressive things about this and i did not even realize it until Django told me and i actually am now just looking at it because good I god damn i didn't notice it until pretty close to the end and then i went back and, and realized that it is every scene and it is every scene in in the killing joke also um and this follows the structure of the killing joke largely as well, like right down to the last page of nine panels with maybe maybe a very drastic ending for Batman and the Riddler's relationship. Um, yeah, that's that, a little bit unclear. And exactly kind of <clears throat> follows on that, like Morrison talking about how, what his re, their interpretation of the mm-hmm. end of the killing joke, which people hadn't really talked about much before that. And this is clearly has that DNA of like this ambiguous ending if you can solve this riddle and stuff. So it's interesting because this is this is like the Riddler's secret origin through the the lens of Dead Poet Society, I guess, Um, which kind of gives us a shortcut to the the 
character, I think. Like if you were going to give it a, a something in the pro column, setting it kind of in that movie gives you extra context for the for the character and where he's coming from. Um, and it is it it fundamentally changes the character of the Riddler mm-hmm. also. Like mm-hmm. it tells us why he got into riddles and it tells us why he just got out of riddles by the end of this book. And I'm curious where this falls in continuity because like DC's continuity is a mess. I don't give a shit where it is, but it would be kind of nice to know like when Chip Zdarsky is forced to use the Riddler by the, by the editors at some point. Are we getting this guy or are we getting old school Riddler with riddles? Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious to see the next of these one bad days to see, like, are they all going to be that creative team's interpretation of the killing joke with a different member of the rogues gallery? Or was that Mm -hmm. a choice of Tom King for this one? Mm -hmm. Like how closely are they going to run? I think it'll give us a better grasp as to whether or not these are going to be continuity stories or not. By the way, having your fingers sliced off with a prison deli tray is fucked. Well done, Tom King. That made me squeamish. Uh If I had to guess, Colette, I would say that this is like, I bet the the editorial proposition was, hey, everybody gets to tell an origin or detailed one issue story in 64 pages of a character. Do what you want. And I, I mean, and I think probably... You know, that doesn't that seem like Tom King is like, okay, well, if Mm -hmm. I'm doing it, I'm going to try to do an homage to this type of thing. But more to your point, I'm interested, yeah, in the idea of what is the next one going to be? Is it changing the status quo? Because I agree with Django. This does sort of change the status quo of the Riddler. Are we trying to do that for everybody or are they origin stories? Because this also is fully functional as just an origin story for the Riddler. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, Django, I think it's interesting. It's because yeah, it makes him fall in love with riddles. And I agree, it's also him like coming out of riddles, but also maybe not like, you know, like he could maybe not need to set up traps for Batman in the same way. But it, it I guess as you were saying, and this isn't a fully formed thought, but as you were saying that it made me think about like, okay, well, like one time, you know, beforehand, the Joker didn't kill people. And then stories happened where then he started killing people, right, or something. And this seems to me like maybe mm-hmm. more a fundamental transition in the character rather than because like in some regard i do agree it's like are we taking away his gimmick now but uh, roman where do you where do you fall in sort of the the mythos of the riddler with this do you agree with do you feel like it changes the character or are you able to kind of look look across that it uh it make it gives the character more depth i mean i'm curious i mean yeah they'll just return to his usual gimmick in the comics i mean otherwise in the other comics in the future because otherwise i have to change his name um Ed G. I mean, I love it if they figured out a way, if future writers figure out a way to as smartly return him to using riddles as this was written and not just have him go back to it with no explanation at all or no mention of this story. Because um, this was so well well done and just such a great evolution of his character. I agree. Um, mm-hmm. It's nice to yeah. have a really smart Riddler that you believe is smart because mm-hmm. like this isn't the first time that we've had him be a super genius right like even right. scott snyder did that in uh in the zero year or whatever like riddler was super smart and took over gotham and everything and i i like that idea but it always has been kind of weird that well if you're so smart why why are you leaving so many clues dummy uh, and this this i think does a really good job of sort of taking care of that justifying it in a certain way i totally yeah agree. Yeah, that he was he was just playing because he never got to play before. Yeah. I just also want to now he's done with that. Applaud the idea that he I think made the Riddler threatening, like very mm-hmm. threatening in this. Yeah. Uh, in a way that I don't feel like the character ever has been. But 
Um, yeah, that uh, yeah. that uh, taking off the guy's fingers scene. That I laughed at that, not because it's funny, but because it was so well done. And I thought, I want to see this in a movie. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> it was just so good. Um, and it's funny, speaking of movies, I, I Dead Poets didn't occur to me at all. But again, that's probably because I haven't seen it since, like you, Jeff, since it was, I haven't seen it since it was in theaters. Um, but just various British, like, school scenes with headmasters like i don't know like even in books um and david copperfield for instance those kept occurring to me mm-hmm. um oof. and i love his dad we've never seen the riddler's family before i don't think i don't think we've ever had them mentioned yeah. yeah yeah and i really liked liked all that how what a sleaze his dad is and, oh. can i say one of my favorite things that ties this back to the killing joke is how riddler kind of takes credit yeah for the the big scene in killing joke like oh yeah how do you think the Joker knew that Barbara was going to be home with you that night? Yeah. Or even like, where they lived. Yeah. Because he, he says to Batman, well, Joker's not a planner. Yeah. <laughs> Who do you think told him that? Yeah. But I, I love, love that. I love that, that is, yeah, that's so cruel. Yeah. Creepy. Mm, it's wonderful. <laughs> 6.0. No. What? And 10.0. Sorry, I, I got my sixes and my tens confused. I had to, I had to take a step back when you said 6.0. Yeah. Uh, for me... I think the art is incredible. I think mm-hmm. there's some of the best, I mean, like, especially with that transition thing pointed out to me, that relation between writing and art, but just like the character work within it and the atmosphere that it provides and some of the motion being a little bit different from some of his other stuff, like a lot of horizontal motion in these yeah. panels. Um, I think it's, you know, unless I'm forgetting something, I think it's the best comic I've read this year. I love the shout out to the iFanboy guys. I love, um, <laughs> I just, uh, yeah, I tend, tend so much. I, I, unless I'm forgetting something, I think it's the best comic I've read all year. And I would encourage everyone in the world to read it because I think I, it's going to win awards. And I think it should. Even has the like Tom King thing. It's like a little use of an obscure Batman villain, the film freak. Mm-hmm. Um, and I love the way they used him because I always, I liked film freak because I was like, wow, there's a, they never use that guy and a villain who's based around being a, film geek it's sean like gone insane (laughs) (laughs) one bad day sean yep one One bad bad day day. one bad day at the comic shop i loved his requirement for his uh the what to be done with his remains and everything that was great (laughs) yeah Yeah, that was awesome roman did you give it a score oh i did not 10 okay can i not score i don't know what like (laughs) i don't know what to give it because i it deserves a 10 love you and I know who yeah, give, you give, are give and what you did and with your... this book is why we show up. We want to know what you think about it. Well, there's always that part of me that battles with, do I score things on how much I enjoyed it or how good I think it was? And I agree. I was talking to Jenga about that yesterday, but like, let's, I think that's a great precedence to set enjoyment. Let's do enjoyment today. My scores are going to be representing my enjoyment of a comic. I have to give it an eight and a half. That just seems yeah. so wrong. Get just it, dude. Go, go with your gut. It was so well done, but I just couldn't. I, they, I do want to read it again because I think maybe having gotten past or having it not be an, a surprise will, I don't know. I'm, but also he could have uh, made a different decision and and that would have, yep. you know, like he could have said it in that same classroom and made it obvious without without using the character design. And I bet this yeah. conversation will elicit at least somebody coming into the comic shop being like, "Dude, that shit pisses me off too." Yeah. Like that, yeah. I, yeah. I do not think you're alone in that response. So I love. I also I- like just the other day was trying to think if I made it a captain my captain reference at a team meeting, would anybody get it? <laughs> I wouldn't. 
That, I would. I'd get that. I would get it, but I would not be able to remember the scene. Like I know they're all standing <laughs> on the desks and that shit's going on, but like I, I wouldn't. You know, like uh, no, it's not. I just I'm like I just it. It's more that I had just had it in my brain too. No, I'm just uh, I'm thinking about like you compare that to a like it's not your fault from you know uh, my favorite movie of all time. It's not The Godfather. Um, the other one, you know, you know the other one, the other Robin Williams one where he's being a dad to everybody. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, you know, you say it's not your fault. I'm like, oh, I can picture everything about this scene, and I, mm-hmm. I need to watch Dead Poets again because I actually know I love it. Um, I just found out Jared's never seen it, so maybe we need a movie night, dude. I'm in. Okay. Um, I want on. something. I got a big forehead, man. He's got something to say. <laughs> before we move on, uh, I want to mention that this is the first of eight books. Is that yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. And the next one is Mariko Tamaki. I'm excited for that one. And is it Javier Fernandez, oh. I think? I thought you were trying to say, you guys, that we've got eight more books to talk about. we got to speed it up. No, 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 no not at all. <laughs> um, and the one after that is, and, and that's Two-Face. And I usually like Mariko Tamaki's stuff. Like, I think she's a great writer. And then the next one is John Ridley and uh, Giuseppe Camoncoli. So, like... They're not skimping on the creators, at least on these first three. Like I'm, I can't imagine they're going to be this good. But have you looked yeah. at all of them? No. Yeah, I'm excited to see. Um, there's some G Willow Wilson ones. and Jamie McKelvey are doing Catwoman. Yep. I'm excited nice. for that one a lot. Is there yeah. a, a Ron Mars and Ron Lim one? The Rons <laughs> doing uh, Tweedledee and Tweedledum or something. <laughs> I like that idea. <laughs> Sorry, I'm going to pull up. You know, because every book has an advertisement for it. Um, the ones I'm excited about, yeah, are definitely the G Willow Wilson, Jamie McKelvey is probably the one I'm most excited for. There's a Tom mm-hmm. Taylor, Ivan Reese, uh, Ross Al Ghul. Mm-hmm. That's gonna be the final one. Um, mm-hmm. the Mariko Tamaki and Javier Fernandez, Two Face, I'm really excited for John Ridley, Gary Jerry Duggan, Joshua Williamson, Colin Kelly, and Jackson Lansing. Those four, I'll definitely read, but they got to prove it to me. But who are the artists on it, right? Because like some Giuseppe of those Coley, Matteo Scalera, Howard Porter, and Zermanico. Yeah, all of them are good. So like all worst of them are case good. scenario, there's one creator on every book that, that is yeah. super interesting to me. Not a like. single bad creator on the whole list. Exactly. Yeah, yeah you're totally right. Although Josh Williamson, I don't know. We don't know. What yeah. side is the bread buttered on? The, br- the side <laughs> is buttered on the side where Scott Snyder has been writing a book for IDW. And what? what? That's a, Dark what? Spaces wildfire number two doesn't make sense to me that it's out haven't read it yet this week definitely intend to we it's not only scott snyder it's got our friend on art Django. you know our big friend on art who's doing hayden all the stuff sherman hayden sherman love love hayden sherman's work one of our new favorites yeah one of our new favorites mm-hmm. really excited uh I, but i haven't gotten to it yet guys tell me about this how was it it just follows the the exact story that they told you they were going to do in the last issue and it's really interestingly done. They, uh, they, they've plotted their thing. They know how they're going to get up to the house to, to rob it. Um, they've even allowed some like an extra hour for unknowns to happen. They get there right. like the, the heist is going to happen. And the twist on the last page, oh. is, holy shit, shit's 10 times weirder and more fucked than you ever would have thought. This <laughs> oh, comic would be. thank you for not spoiling. I can't wait to read it. <laughs> Guys, thank 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 you for I, me for forcing your hand of not spoiling it. I couldn't. I couldn't believe it when I got to that. I was like, this is not what I was told I was reading. And I'm going to read this podcast. I fucking Dang. approve. Oh, and the cool. art is like, this guy is, he's holy shit good. Holy shit good. He's like mm-hmm. one of one of my favorite artists in all of a sudden, like in the last three months, he's become <laughs> one of the, the best artists in the industry. Three weeks for me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I was reading Chicken Devil. Oh, that's true. Yeah. And I really liked that. But there's you know, a great also- gag at the end of the first issue. 
uh, guy <laughs> shoots himself, falls down some chicken grease. It's slips cooking. in the chicken grease and shoots somebody. Uh, but his art and everything is different. And this might be my favorite version of him so far. And that chicken devil was hilarious. Was, it really tickled me when I read that. What did you guys think? Roman, Colette, did either of you read this? I read it. I read it. Roman, you, yeah. Um, I thought it was great. I just finally placed, I thought that these were owl eyes through they her like advisor. It. They're the cougar mm. family, the, the cougar mom that they bump into. So I, I finally just placed, I was like, also, there wasn't an owl yeah. in here. Ian Bertram um, owl vibes, you know? Yeah, yeah. Totally. Um, definitely Ian Bertram vibes going on in here. Uh, yeah, I thought it was so good. I do get... I always get a little annoyed with Snyder, a little to a lot annoyed with, I feel like he goes a little too hard on the metaphor in the narration. Yep. Um, And this one, the whole thing (laughs) with the ignition wasn't as irritating to me as he can often be. It was a little more irritating than the first issue, uh, but it's still the, uh, the goodness of everything else around it outweighed my irritation with that. Look at that wide angle shot on the bus. That's yeah. awesome. Guys, it's I've just, taken my headphones uh, off. I just want y'all to know just because I'm actually so uh, excited to read this book. I want to approach it uh, <laughs> like, like, uh, like a babe. Madonna. That, that was awesome. That's that shot, that top panel. But it did also not work for me because I read down the page like you're supposed to. And then I got up there. I realized, oh, that's all one panel. Crap. It's always, it's always a risk, isn't it? When you do a, yeah, yeah. The dialogue spread, me. Not a two page spread. Yeah. Luckily it was only uh, five words that you would have gotten yeah. in that place. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, Colette, that, uh, that often bothers me about Snyder too, except so far in this series, it doesn't because when it, when, it, when the story is teaching me about something that's, that I know absolutely nothing about like firefighting, I like it because it's teaching me about firefighting. Um, mm-hmm. In fact, I can't, I, until you said his name, I forgot this was Scott Snyder because yep. a lot of times I'm like, eh, Scott Snyder, but I really like this. Yeah, this, uh, this, this might be a 10 for me also. It does make me think of you, Django, because it's, it's, it's a high story and I love a high story that adds like a new element, a high story within a forest fire. I mean, yeah, how cool is that? <laughs> and, and like the paneling is like nothing that you normally see. Yeah. Right. Like there's, there's, uh, what is this like a, a 15 or a 16 panel grid on there and it's not cramped either. It's like a comfortable 16 panel grid. And there's, hmm. there's the, the wide angle shot of them going through the forest, but it's also showing insets of, of the shit that they have to do to get through the for, the fire. It's yeah. There's, there's something really special about this art and this guy's perspective. And I wouldn't have known it was Scott Snyder if, if his name wasn't on the cover, I think, which is a pro and a con, I guess <laughs> he, he comes with baggage, but I usually end up liking his stuff. It's one of the most exciting number ones of his that I've read. And I really, yeah. I, I did that thing where I weigh out like, okay, well, I've got X amount of time. And one of these books was fat um, <laughs> and dense. Uh, what am I not going to be able to read before the podcast? And that was one of them. And I've now I'm bummed. I always, I always drop one important bullet that we would have used to shoot a turkey to have dinner that night. And this was the time. We got and I already bullets, read but... 15 books that no one wants to talk about. Cause oh, I'm even though I I'll, I'll talk about all time. of them. Talk about all of them. You get yeah. a buck, buck shot shot but, tonight. But yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, sorry, I got my clock out because I actually was hoping to think about buckshots and uh, make Clutch hey, start now. 
Wait. Oh, me. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I beat you to it. Beat you to it. Oh, what? Oh, um, world's finest. Batman Superman, world's finest. Number six continues to be just charming as all hell. They've moved on from the um the bigger ongoing plot, and this is them going back in time to find uh Dick, who's living with a a circus. Uh, and it's a good little one shot detective story, and that was just charming and wonderful. Um, uh, X Men Green was weird and. I don't know what I read. It's not great. <laughs> um, like nature girls, like murdering people just kind of like willy nilly because they tangentially are hurting the uh, environment and Wolverine's out. I, I don't know. It wasn't very good. Um, Nightwing is fucking incredible. Like what else do I say about Nightwing other than that? It's fucking incredible. And uh, big stuff happens in this one. And it's always so good. Uh, Seven sons part three. Uh, is morphing more into being a mystery kind of a story mixed up in this interesting uh, take on religion and weird religious future. And it just is getting to be even more and more of a Colette book. And I love hmm. seeing uh, Jay Lee's art in uh, Not Just Uncovers again, which just makes me very happy. So highly enjoying that one. Uh, I read Avengers 1 million BC, which was, you know, it was an interesting story. It's a one shot. It's kind of uh, the story of how Thor came to be born by Gaia. And uh, oh, shit. Um, but Hard Eyes. Hard Eyes number one uh, was great. And I really liked this. And um, creepy monsters, girl, uh, just walking around the barren wasteland and coming across people. And yeah, let's, okay, let's, let's 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 <laughs> unpack that one actually a little bit, because oh. you had said you were excited to talk about that. So your buckshot was over. We'll get to those scores in a second, but let's do an extended moment on this one because I'm curious. Uh, it, lady walking around in monstrous wasteland isn't enough She's for like me. This is 17. part of your book. Sure. This is, this the is after my featured buck. book of the week. <laughs> the uh, after buck. <laughs> this is as I'm slowly oozing out from uh, all of the. Little, that's a placenta, my friend. Strat, that's some afterbirth holes. right there. I have one of those in my freezer in the garage. I know. And one of these days, we're finally going to put some really good barbecue sauce on it. Fry <laughs> it up. I've heard it's a delicious meat. I've got the perfect tortillas for it. So Mert. Oh, I am the weirdo <laughs> that still has my placenta trying to decide what plant to put it under. I'm not the weirdo that will plant Santa thing. Oh, well, um, sorry. Yeah, me, me neither. <laughs> but I, I, didn't, I didn't think we were going to do that at all. Um. Yeah. I forget that I really like Dennis Hopeless. He's one of those writers that I, I've never really sought out, but I always find myself enjoying when he does something. Um, most of what I read was like Marvel stuff he did yeah. a few years back. But um, So it's just kind of following this 17-year-old girl uh, walking around. There's all of a sudden monsters showed up one day and basically decimated society um the world and uh and she's just kind of lonely wandering around and gets uh grabbed by uh, a young guy her age and we see some flashbacks of her from when she was a kid that kind of give us glimpses into why she's just this kind of she seems not very deep but it's definitely more than that um she seems just kind of ditzy and like he's very smitten with her big boobs and the fact that she's a girl his age because he's living alone with his uh his older sister and grandpa who and both have very brother-in-law 
Yes, exactly. Um, exactly. And uh, um, so it's just kind of a, I don't know, it's, I'm really excited to see where it goes. Good monsters, nothing too heavy. It's quippy. Um, I really liked it a lot. Hell yeah. I can't wait to read more. Give me a slew of scores then. A little salmon slurry, if you will. Um, World's Finest, we're going to give an eight. Uh, X-Men Green, we're going to give a six and a half. Um, Nightwing is a nine. Seven Sons is an eight and a half. Uh, Avengers 1000, seven and a half. And Heart Eyes, I'm going to give an eight and a half. Hell yeah. Seven Sons is just always kind of begging for a seven, but I don't think... I don't think any of us have disliked it enough. Jeff, you got a minute and 30 go. Oh, okay, cool. All right, well done, Django. Um, well, let me turn around here. I Okay, well, yeah, let me tell you what I got. I got Hulk number eight. Uh, that was Donny Cates and some artist that is not the main artist on the book, but has been doing the Banner of War story. And this was the finale to it. And I thought it was pretty good. I thought it was a little confusing at times because we had Hulk Thor fighting Thor Hulk. Um <laughs> And then doing that thing where we're still living in heads and conveying messages. But I thought all in all, it was a pretty good end to a pretty fun story um, that doesn't necessarily answer the question of who would win in a fight. Uh, I read Batman the Night 7 and 8 because I had fallen behind on 7. So I caught up with that. And that book is really, really, really good. And I hope that it informs the Chip Zdarsky Batman story moving forward. I don't know that it necessarily will. Um, But similar to that, I thought it was just a little bit confusing. He comes to around his old buddy uh just a little bit of who is who and am i looking at that person who's ghost hunter or something whatever anyway um what i really want to talk about is house of x sorry x-men 92 house of 92 steve fox salva espen israel silva uh this is the most fun x-men book i think coming out it's my favorite thing to read i'm so excited to read every time i spent the whole issue this time just thinking to myself I cannot wait to see what they do when they're no longer repurposing all of the Hickman X-Men stuff in a way more palatable <laughs> way. I was so excited um, because like, what is it going to do after that? And then I got to the final page and it said to be concluded. So there's only one issue left and it will not be going on. And I'm heartbroken. So those are my three books. I, Claude, are you reading X-Men 92? I didn't get a hold of a number three. So I grabbed yeah. one of those this week so that I can. I actually didn't read number three. I read one, two, oh. and then just started four because I didn't have one as well. Um, <laughs> but I just, uh, it, yeah, it's like my favorite X book, hands down, coming out. And I'm, it's, I think what it does with the House of X mythos that they've built has been uh, really, really good. So, mm-hmm. gosh, let me look at my scores here for these books. Hulk, I gave a 7.0. Um, I gave uh x-men 92 a 9.0 it was so much fun and batman the night i gave an 8.0 mostly because i did really enjoy it but i did get kind of uh confused at a couple points um and i'm curious jingo did you read batman the night number eight no i read like that was that was my uh dark spaces wildfire yeah okay start go oh god i read uh, above snakes Number two, Sean Lewis and Hayden Sherman. More good, solid cowboy stuff. In the first issue, there was a shot where a guy opens up his uh, trench coat and shows off all these potions that show parts of the guy's life. And uh, I did not like that page, and Jeff did like that page. Mm. And in this one, the same guy is feeding people spoonfuls of potions. And I did like the spoons page where he's spoons. he's uh dripping potion down on people spoons. um this is 
I, I just realized as I was talking that the insides of this book are largely CMYK, like bright oh. neon CMYK, which everybody knows is my favorite color palette. <laughs> um, and I just like the the violence and the art. And it's not it's not world changing, but it is a nice little uh, it, it rides a nice line of here's a story that's happening that's self-contained but also it's building towards something larger. Uh, I also read 20th Century Men from Image by Dennis Camp and S. Morian with Aditya Bidikar on letters. I don't know if this was good or weird or bad. It's a lot of words, but I like the story and I really, really like the art. So I think if, if you don't hate overworked dialogue and uh, too, too many words, I think this might be a comic for you, which you know that Batman one bad day with the Riddler had yeah. way too many words for a fucking. Comic I totally book, agree, but it was I great. Agree. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. um, above snakes, uh, solid eight. Twentieth century men, seven and a half. But it could it could win me back if they find a better balance on the next issue. I'd love to do everything. like a conversation, really deep dive into the idea of kind of overwrought dialogue and when it yeah. works and when it doesn't, and what kind of baggage do maybe I specifically bring into that? Like, you know, like you look at one bad day from the Riddler, you're like, that's 62 pages, no ads. So I approached right. it like, that's going to be a fucking novel. But when something's not, you know, when it seems like a surprise or something, maybe I respond differently. So well, um, we also, this is, this is a high pressure job to get a bunch of comics read so we can talk so about them. high pressure. This job but, is okay. so high pressure. Speaking of high pressure, <laughs> yeah. Roman, you got a minute 30, go. Go! Oh my god, your uterus is falling out. Pardon me, I, I need to step away for a second. <laughs> Take care of that. Um, you know, I just wanted to mention Yusagi Yojimbo, number 30, because going back to our, our scary animal, evil animal conversation earlier. Theme of the night. Stan Sakai, in, these, in this storyline, has introduced the scariest animals he's ever had in, in a comic. They're a clan of ninjas, but they're human-sized bats who have katana blades along the top the top the top side of their wings and of course you know they're all black because they're ninjas and they're just scary as hell um firepower number 23 another excellent issue this one's almost all uh dialogue free it's a big battle with the the bad guy's evil dragon he's awakened from inside the earth and just amazing action sequences and very little dialogue it's just it's just uh chris samney just going wild um i also loved world's finest number six because it's a Dick Grayson circus story, and those, you know, those are always automatic, guaranteed to be good. Uh, also read Avengers, the one with all those zeros, BC. And they did finally explain, <laughs> Jason Arrow, Aaron finally explained how um, the Phoenix was involved in Thor's birth, and I was afraid he was going to do something. I mean, it's still kind of dumb, but it works, because Guy is still his mother with Odin, his birth mother, but the Phoenix gets in there, too. And the end. I do hope, I, I do hope, I mean, at first I kind of like the idea of the um, the prehistoric Avengers, but I think Marvel's doing a little too much of like, oh, Ghost Riders throughout history, Doctor Strange's throughout history, Black Panther's throughout history, and they're kind of driving the idea under the ground. For Welcome me to bit. Spider Totem. Thanks, Straczynski. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fucker. There was a bunch of huge books this week. I mean, Avengers, the X-Men Daredevil, Unlimited, Daredevil, Batman, Batman um, there was another one. I forget what it was now, but yeah, lots of giant books. I can't believe how many giant books I read all, read this week. Sorry, guys. <laughs> um, that was Colette, everyone. You got squirts, Roman? Squirts. Squirts. Um, Sorry, squirts. squirts yeah, what I, you got squirts, bud? 
Uh, I gave an eight for Avengers. I gave Firepower. Got a where is it? Where is it? He's I know? looking I at his list, ladies and gentlemen. I am. I'm, I'm, going to, I'm going down my list. Um, Firepower got a nine. Usagi Ojimbo got a. We talked about having him write these on the cover an eight. and selling them for more at the shop. But yeah, uh, I like that idea. <laughs> did I say any other comics? I don't remember. Oh, I mean, I sure don't. We figured. We figured. I think, I, people... I, think I did them. I think that's all the ones I did. People Can I know that they're the ones he read because they're the ones with the fingerprints rubbed off all over? Django, are you reading Daredevil right now by Zadarsky? <laughs> no, I'm not. Um, okay, well, I fell Colette... behind and I fucked up. No, we're all hey, story of working on a comic. <laughs> oh, is this shop. where we shoved the pin in? We put a tape, we put it on the table for now. Shoved the pin um, the Colette and Roman, did you guys read Daredevil? Yes, okay, so. I don't want to lead you in blind, so I want to say what I'm thinking going into this, and I want everyone's opinion. These two issues of this renumbering, and I I'm, uh, I feel like are kind of confusing for me. I mm-hmm. don't know if too much time has gone by. I don't remember Daredevil exactly having some agenda with his ex-girlfriend and going to tell her about stuff, which is kind of what this whole issue is themed around. He's got an arc, like a guardian angel. I've just, in the same way that kind of... Uh, you know, far out celestial Marvel things can sometimes make me feel. I'm like, wait, am I confused? What's going on? I'm curious. Are you guys having an easy time following this? And like, I mean, like not that it's super confusing, but I just keep thinking that I'm forgetting something that I read like a month and a half ago or something. Where where, where are you guys with this series? So I read number one from this run two days ago because I knew I needed to read number two for today. Um, I, lo- I I dropped off of his first run on Daredevil because I, we ran out of copies and I mm. just got behind. And uh, But I read Devil's Reigns. I feel like I kind of vaguely know what's going on, but I've, uh-huh. I've been wondering myself if it's that like, is this intentionally vague or um, because they're starting at a number one and trying to do something a little different with what's going on? Or is am I just missing things from before? Yeah. I think the whole thing with the Guardian Angel seems like it's it's all new for this issue um yeah but roman do you have anything else to add to that before oh, i um, start going into my pet peeve with this like, one? I, could, I could see that roman <laughs> maybe you know like I, yeah sorry roman what do you think of this whole like i guess we're two uh, issues into this renumbering is sort of like so this as a kind of starting point where you at um it did surprise me that they brought back his feelings for kirsten because that was like I know in our time that was I don't know six seven years ago that he had a relationship with her. Was he um, recently going to talk to her? Like, did that happen in Devil's Reign and or the issues right before? I don't, like, remember. I don't remember. Yeah, I don't remember where it happened exactly, but she was involved in I think helping defend his case when he had killed that guy accidentally. Um, I think she was his lawyer. Okay, and that's okay. when he realized that oh, I still have feelings for her and I treated okay. her badly. Okay. So I think that's where this comes from. And the other character who's now revealed he has these kind of guardian angel powers, he's been around before too, but also a minor character that never had powers before. Right. Because he's the lawyer that prosecuted Matt when he was on trial for murder, right? That's what it seemed like from this or from a couple things that that. he mentioned. Maybe it was in issue one. Um, Yeah, I think so. Um, Yeah. And I've been, I've been digging it. I like this issue a lot. I like it when, when Matt Murdock's dealing with, questions of faith and spirit spirituality i i would just kind of on the cusp of a 7.5 or an 8 i think i am just going to stick with a 7.5 i love this whole series going up to it but for some reason that i can't put my finger on i just haven't really been able to feel like i think that i'm super informed about the stuff happening in these two issues of this most recent volume and uh i wish that that weren't the case especially when there was a renumbering going on so then i want to 
uh, table the other conversation. Well, no, I want to get your scores. Yeah, I want to put a pin in that conversation. Yeah, sorry, Colette, please. I was going to say, I didn't didn't notice the, I don't really pay attention to the legacy renumbering. I just thought it was a thick issue and I didn't realize that it was a, a, like a, a landmark even when they wasted One, like until seven I pages started in getting into the like oh this must be a whole oh i get it when they were doing the like different pages homaging different storylines yeah, yeah. the artists throughout the history it was like okay it feels more like zadarsky was like all right i have to do something grand for this one they're um, like they're making it, me because they're gonna make the consumer pay for seven pages of covers in the end (laughs) yeah and the attempt to make it feel grand in the large scale of daredevil history was kind of what i didn't like about it yeah like goldie's powers for being this kind of i can um i just get this little voice that tells me drop a marble right now and it's going to leave to a child being saved with a weird like uh like room Goldberg uh, machine <laughs> kind of effect. Um, but I always get irritated when there's some sort of super grand uh, reworking of the history of a character and the fact that somehow since college, he's actually been influencing Matt's life and everything. I was like, right. Oh, I felt like you kind of just took a cool concept for a villain and uh, cheapened it or made it. Yeah, no, I, 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 I totally. It's almost like that when they mythologize things. Like I've been guiding all of this all along. You know, it's like yeah, it kind of puts previous stories in a box, and I almost I don't love that. So I'm, I'm the curious. Riddler, and I have been totally changed, and I guided the Joker through a classic story. I yeah, that was cool. <laughs> I really liked the ambiguity of that. I really liked either he knows what happened and he's trying to fuck with Batman. We're going backwards to this Batman mm-hmm. Riddler story, but I realized <laughs> that because like I think it works either way. Either he did do that and that's insane, mm-hmm. or he did the same thing to Batman that he was doing with those security guards that he tricked into killing themselves, which right. was or like killing each other, which was like I know the words to say to make you paranoid, like. Mm-hmm. Your life is really, yeah, I, I that's, that's I also, loved that. That was one, one reference. This is him supposedly having orchestrated mm-hmm. almost every big event in Daredevil's yeah. existence. It's yeah. like a TV show that just has to keep getting bigger and, or Mission Impossible, which is like, oh no, actually this guy was a bad guy. Oh wait, no, he, he had a boss. He had a boss. He had a yeah. boss. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I totally agree with Claire. I draw a line, but Romo, yeah, sorry. I'm okay with it. Cause you know, you know, whatever however many issues it takes for the storyline to wrap up, they're going to kill off this guy. So he won't matter anymore, except he's the impetus to make Matt go through one of his many like questioning yeah. who he is and his reality and blah, blah, blah. Um, and that reminded me, and I forgot something I forgot to bring up about the Riddler story going back to that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> is, listen, do, it I was hope the they, best issue that came out this week. I think many I, of us I hope they keep. I hope they keep in future sto- Riddler stories that he's so smart that at some point he had figured out the identities of not only Bruce, but everybody in the Bat yeah. family. Yeah. Because <laughs> that was a big surprise. Yeah, he, he add, but I added the, the threat to him for sure. So, yeah. so and then Colette. he's been sneaking into their houses and spying on them while they sleep and stuff. I love that. Uh, Clinton Roman, what are your, did you make a ham joke? This is John Ham chin. Oh, he's Batman. Jesus. That was so funny because I ham. until Colette said that, I didn't, I didn't notice any of those resemblances, but I flipped back to it. I said, like, oh yeah, John Ham. Oh yeah, Kurtwood Smith. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what were your scores for Daredevil number two? And do you? Okay, sorry, please. <laughs> yeah. So, so we're not going to talk about 
the numbering thing or is that well, for I, some I was, other sorry, I was gonna get scores and then do oh, that. Okay, we can okay. do it right now or whatever. No, no, I give it an eight. Okay. <laughs> Colette? Uh I'll give it a seven and a half. Yeah. Sure. That's where I fell. Okay, Marvel is giving us two numbers on these issues, number two and 650. I feel like we should put a lot, draw a line in the sand. Are we doing issue numbers in terms of this this podcast and this conversations that we have? Are we saying number two or are we saying 650? Because I don't want to draw a dash in my notebooks anymore. Let's let's just say it. <laughs> is it two or is it 650? 650. I mean, I would far prefer to go with legacy numbering always. But we are not recording this for ourselves. It's for the listeners. And oh, what is the number that is more likely for I'm them only on to this be for able myself. to recognize which is what we're talking about? I don't know. It's- I That's a great vote. And sounds like your brain and our brains, and by our brains, I mean my brain, uh, work very similarly. <laughs> However... I am going to say that I would prefer the legacy numbering, which puts us at two and two, which does not give us any resolution. So you will be listening to a podcast <laughs> that still addresses both of them. And that is fine. I can, Truly fine. I can tell you my my thought. Yeah, and unpack it's it. Like for I was saying, I was saying truly kind of as like a transition to true cult. I just want to pass that okay. off to you okay. now. So okay. like okay. now so it's I'm your the, job, but the, I do want to hear your thoughts. I'm the, I'm the Sedgwick guy. Yep. I think yes for the listeners also for the creators because sure, comics are point. written in arcs at this point and this is not number 650 of daredevil in my mind this is number two of this storyline that chips do you feel so but do you it's think the same creative it would, sorry great, sorry no colette that is point is well made and i would agree with it and i think that then to clarify that do we say volume blank this uh, i don't because fucking track the volumes i don't either current, but it is current volume number two issue number two really only applies to this volume yep yep we got it's a whole page of covers in the back of this book that seven, are all by the same creative team yeah yeah exactly and seven pages total so if that's what we charged our readers uh, a dollar extra for um <laughs> readers i hope that you like this issue because i really liked it um but i do hope that you like having all those covers i had fun going through it because i was like oh that's that run that i like and that's that run that... and i turned out i actually really like daredevil i, I could have you... a number one daredevil number one would be one i would want Oh, we've got plenty. Uh, I know a uh, I know a safe deposit one? box you could steal. I got you. That's a funny number one. Zidars- yeah. Can um, we? Okay, so so I think that this this whole discussion that we yeah. we shoved the pin in and then put it on the table and then took the pin and out then, and put yeah, took yeah, it off yeah, exactly. the table. <laughs> I think that this is a conversation that the entire industry has, and I think that people fall into two camps. And Truly, each two camp camps is very rabbit about the way that they think about the numbering uh-huh. you could almost say that they were sort of cultish kind of like to yeah, that's Volt. a great point that's a great point <laughs> they are cultish in terms of how fervently they approach their their thought of it and it, that type of fervishness really makes me think of by scott brian wilson least boring name after trying to say that many times um He's the writer and co-creator, and Lana Kangas is the artist and co-creator. And this follows uh, fast food. I, I, I think I think that if you were to pitch this in an elevator, you would say a, a loser that works at fast food, right? Who Who's worked there for seven years or 12 years or something. It's like hanging out in a ramen place and someone starts talking about music interfaces and you're like, <laughs> hey, can I talk? Can I, I would like to talk to you about our Lord and Savior, Trevukovold. <laughs> uh, this guy decides that uh, he's he's 
eating lunch, staring at the mini mall across from his burger job for so long that he's figured out everybody's schedules and knows that uh, there's some construction going on. And he can just kind of walk down the mini mall, robbing every store in the mall. And he gets like somewhere between like zero dollars and six hundred and twenty two dollars and seventy five cents from the arcade while he does it i like that sequence uh yeah it was a really good sequence and then then he goes back to work and uh interviews a woman who wants a job at the burger place who is like his doppelganger she's super into the burger place knows a lot about it and also just happens to have seen him rob the the other places and lies to the cops about it and and sets up uh a, a person that he saw after he committed the crime to take the fall um i think that i like this a lot and i think jeff didn't like it a lot and... i mean i've obviously thought a lot about it since our initial conversation i don't think that surprises you at all not even a little bit <laughs> <Yeah>. but <laughs> I, I wouldn't want to try to convince you one way or the other i think it's just a, a style of comic that i like more than you tend to like mm -hmm. um what did what did, did did anybody else read this roman and colette yeah, I read it. <laughs> how did you pronounce it roman well, you know, looking at it, I assumed it was Finnish. So I called my Finnish friend. I don't have a Finnish friend, <laughs> but it looks Finnish. Finnish friend? That's me. Finnish Figly. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I once it came in, I figured out what it was called. In the solicitations, I was like, which I thought was like the Finnish name of the cult. And that's like not a, what like it is at all. Like a fish thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I what like, about the comic? Oh. Oh, I didn't actually read the comic. I just looked at the cover. <laughs> no, I really, I really, yeah. I really liked it. Um, it's, it's one of those stories that gets, you know, a lot of little just interesting side bits. Like when the woman he's interviewing for the job at the burger place, a burger Lord who, and she previously worked at a burger Lord, which is the um, best name for a restaurant ever, by the way. It is. It is. That's awesome. <laughs> but she, her character is so well-defined and when she goes off and she tells this story about the old man that used to come in her old burger store and this whole story that ends horribly. And it's like something out of, I don't know, a Tarantino movie or something. Yeah. Um, and I love little character bits like that along with his clever, you know, his clever uh, spring. Cause you know, he's worked there for what, 15, I don't know, 15 years or something. And he's come up with this plan and it seems like a pretty good plan, except, you know, I couldn't believe he takes off his mask in the parking lot. It's like, yeah. dude, drive away first. Um, but I liked his plan and the goofiness of it and just the different shops he goes into and like the mattress store where the guy's like, dude, we sell mattresses. Nobody actually comes in here and buys things. Yeah. We don't have any cash. <laughs> the first person I've seen in weeks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Little details like that. And him trying, him stealing $675 worth of coins. I yeah. know what that feels like. like <laughs> well, I know what about $300 worth of coins feels like. You yeah, don't want you to do. steal that many fucking no, Yeah, coins. yeah. And, and, he, and he's terrible and, idea. Yeah, and he's telling the attendant, uh, poor slower, they're going everywhere. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, Colette, did you read this? I didn't. This was uh, top of my stack to get to next, but yeah. all yeah. those uh, double sized issues. It's right finish there with finish <laughs> dark lesson, spaces lesson. for me. Um, you know, I walked away from this issue thinking, I didn't like that that much. And I thought, I don't, I don't know that that's very good. And then I thought about it and I, that's not what it, that's not what it is. And I think uh, it was awesome. Django and I hung out yesterday and we sort of just talked theoretically about how to talk about art. You know, you're a problem child. If you're talking about talking about things. Um, it, my, me being a problem child is an art, Jeff. Sorry, but you're just like <laughs> that movie Problem Child with that child and the all the stuff that happens. Oh, that little bastard. Yeah, little bastard. I'm very PC. Um, <laughs> problem Child. I like that. Um, 
And what I actually think is, I, I think that what Django kind of prefaced it with is, is absolutely right. It's just a hard sell for me on this genre of interest. I made it through this issue. There was some stuff that I did really like. I think that the pacing and the scene of him robbing all the places was really well done. The dialogue in it was funny. The way that it was counting his money was funny. It was Rosenbergian. Yeah, it was Rose, Rosenbergian. Um, and Sweet. I really liked the kind of delusional nature that we had for this character. It reminded me of the movie Observe and Report with Seth Rogen. Do you guys, anyone ever see that movie? Mm-mm. It is about a mall security cop. It came out around the same time mm-hmm. as Paul Blart. And so it made it feel like it was about that, but it's not. It's about this super bipolar guy that works as a mall security guy and he falls in love with somebody and goes off his meds and you're just sort of following him in this very dark rabbit hole down. Um, This reminded me of that in a good way. Like this guy is not a reliable narrator, you know, like he's Mm -hmm. delusional in the way that he values his burger job. Um, and that that was funny to me. Like I liked that. Um, but there were parts where we kind of moved away from that. It fell in this category of I don't know if I like this character or don't like this character. And if he's the joke, I do really like that, but I wasn't sure with it by the end. And then there is like he does that crime, and um, and then there's the Satan hook, and I like that. I wish there was a little bit more of that introduced earlier on. Um, so what I'll say is I do think it was well done. I did like the art. I did like basically the execution and all of it, but it didn't make me very interested in wanting to read more. And that I think is more than anything, my relationship with the genre of crime, because I do think it set it up. Well, I think that if the Satan stuff is a big part of it, I think that they maybe could have introduced a a little bit earlier. But again, I liked the art. It was quirky in the way that hot lunch special was quirky early on. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like it was a crime book, but there was a quirkiness to it that made me want to read Uh, more of it but i can't say for sure that i do want to read more of this one specifically um i gave it a 6.5 but again Django was like it's a good setup to a crime book and i don't have the lens for that at all i just don't have the lens for like that's a good setup to a good crime book because i haven't read enough crime books to know what's a good setup to a good crime book because i don't read them really because they're not super my thing I'd give it a seven and a half and uh, I'll, bet, I'll bet that it elevates itself by the end of the series. I bet the whole series gets higher than a seven. And a half. I bet it does. I bet. I bet if you liked this issue enough to read it, it will be a good series, mm-hmm. I guess, is, is what I mean. I, I don't want to not critical of the series at all. I, I know, Jeff. I know, Jeff, you also loved all the, the music references to Queensryche and Winger course, and Lita course, Ford. Of course, all three of those are bands that I listen to. The Lita Ford one, that, and he mentions her a couple of times because this guy's really into Lita Ford. I mean, we those all ones, are, right? Those ones made, <laughs> she was one of the members of the Runaways. We call ourselves the Alitas. She's, she's, the, she's the other successful <laughs> runaway other than Joan Jett. <laughs> but yeah, when they mentioned... When they mentioned Lita Forda, that cracked me up because I was like, I've got some of her cassettes from the 80s. <laughs> what I want is for the three of you to give me some series that like start like this that maybe aren't super long, ideally, that are really good. Because it is a blind spot for me in terms of genre and appreciation for it. And I, do, I mean, I, I do want to include inc- improve the vocabulary for it you know um like you guys have seen me try and get into the venetian br- blind genre and i'm this, working on it it's important to me i want to know blind it. genre but this is, burgers. this is just like just like two degrees off from the venetian blind genre and from the perspective of the criminal rather than the 
private eye. Okay. Like, okay, 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 okay let's get okay. Roman's score. And then I, I, I think I have something that, that I would normally save until the end, but I want a little, little more oh, conversation. Like a question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Okay. I gave it a 9.5. Hell yeah. Holy shit. My, my second the, favorite book of the week. Was it the V's? What did you love so much about it, dude? God, the dialogue, Duh. the art, the the pacing, the musical eighties musical references, um, the humor, the fact that our our protagonist is such a proud loser. He doesn't even know he's a loser. I I, I really liked that aspect of it. <laughs> I mean, he's so fo- I mean, that one thing. He's so disappointed that he was two seconds late to the job once to clocking in. Yeah, and he's so into like their whole spiel about how they do. Well, that was the girl. But how they do the fries, for instance, it was great. But he is her and she yeah. is him. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. She was him like 10 years before. Okay, so check this out. I, I just thought of this when, when you were talking about this, Jeff. And, and if we were to look at three books that we read this week, mm-hmm. I think from a movie standpoint, Batman One Bad Day was directed by David Fincher mm-hmm. and scored by Nine Inch Nails, right? And Dark Space's Wildfire is probably done by the guy who did Moonfall. Right, like like big dumb action, Michael Bay Yeah, yeah, like was the Moonfall like the one with Halle Berry that was? It's I pretty watch recent. It. Or wait, no, I did watch it. I did watch it. They went into the together. Yeah, they went inside the moon. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, that was just forgettable, but yeah, but a, a <laughs> yes. fun ride. But big, but big, yeah. right? Like very it, large. It's it's a thrill ride, and and it might not be art, but it's got. It's got something that, that keeps you so going. So what is trivial? Well, that's the question. Like, is this a Jim Jarmusch? No, I think it's more like thing? Um, the Simon Pegg guy, Edgar Wright, almost. Sure, sure. And so so here's here's my pitch. If you were to go back and read it and pretend that you were watching an Edgar Wright movie, like go into it expecting that rather than expecting a comic book written by somebody you've never, you don't know who's putting too many words on the page. Cause I think that's undeniable in this. It seems a little uh, like new to comics. I wonder if that changes the way that you approach that specific book. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good question. That's a good question. I'll read it again. I wanted to. I'm, I will read it I, again, and I think we need to have a comic book follow-up. And I think that that could be a regular segment on our podcast, which is a comic book follow-up where somebody is challenged to reread something. And I think Trevor... I don't want to make you rethink what you think. I just No, 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 I don't. I like the I, idea of, like, if, if I saw a trailer for this comic, I would go in ready for something different and maybe I, uh, something different. I wanted to reapproach it. I did. If I, I mean, I, had, I intended to reread it. Um, I mean, like, Roman gave her 9.5. That's crazy. That immediately makes me want to like reassess it. So I just, I want to look at it again um, with some different lenses, but that genre again, kind of always I'm beating a dead horse and I love horses. Uh, I, 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 like, I like your Edgar Wright. <laughs> Edgar Wright. I think good combination. Edgar Wright and Tarantino, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to, I want to, I do want to check it out again uh, for sure. So I'm going to, but yeah, as of right now, uh, it had kind of a low score for me, but like, man, when anyone on this podcast, anyone, uh, give something a 9.5 like dang that that begs for re-examination when there's a difference a disparity in scores of that magnitude oh well just to let you know star wars 26 i gave i gave a 9.5 as well with that art just kidding just kidding no i gave this, it a, I, I gave oh, it a seven. Did my, i'm holding my eyebrows like that was like a whoa like we flipped through that because it was the big spec book um dang dang um I think we covered all the ground. Colette, did we cover all the ground? 
think we might with have the really traversed a lot of ground tonight. And, I think we covered uh, a lot of it. Yeah. I'll tell you what, I gave Shirtless Bear Fighter a 9.5. Colette, what'd you That's... give that Bear Fighter? <laughs> I gave it a leaving it on the shelf. Um... Yeah. <laughs> Me too. Ayo. Well, you so... said you had to reevaluate it now, Jeff. Give it no, a 9.5. We choose one baby. book. We choose one <laughs> person. Yeah, you can't. One, yeah. Book. one book that needs to be evaluated by one person a week. Well, so Jango said I gave Shirtless Bear Fighter two, number one, a nine. Yeah, I'd, I'd probably give it an eight and a half or a nine. Are there any flapjack jokes? Flapjack jokes. I think there were, yeah. The dick joke that was so good from the first issue where he keeps turning around with no pants on and there's right. just like a flap sound effect near the bottom of the panel. They tried to recapture that in this and I think they failed. Uh, but other than that, like, dude, shrinking him down and having him fight a water bear. Genius. I like Fucking bears. genius. <laughs> I, like I, bears. I feel like they had more bear puns in this one too even more than oh, the yeah. first series it was way more egregious there, puns there was one thing where i think the dick joke worked where he he turns away from the character he's talking to and he's walking away from the viewer and there's just a real soft you almost don't see it in the artwork a real soft like like slap slap yeah because <laughs> <laughs> she makes him hand in his badge and his pants <laughs> yeah yeah that's good that's good. That's good. And everyone deserves to laugh this way. And we hope that we made you laugh this week, dear listener, dear precious listener that we are holding mouth to bosom right now as the sun fades and it sets and you see that orange light casting a glow upon my bosom. That is my bosom and my bosom is for you. And I think that I can speak for multiple people when I say that uh, all of our bosoms are for you. And not mine. To... No, no, thank sorry, you. Yeah, Colette, sorry, yeah, sorry. Colette, Colette, Colette has given her bosom to another before, and um, and the spillage is just not worth dealing with. However, the three men who've never experienced say, "Latch, latch hold, dear friend, latch hold, um, dear listener, and be one with us and our nutrients and our thoughts." And thank you for joining us. And uh, we will see you all next time for episode 282, when which. Uh, you can finally unlatch and relatch and we'll see some things, some new revisiting comic books of old that need to be reevaluated. There was a good name for that. I already forgot. Um, but until then, dear listener, thank you for hanging out with us. We are the affectionate crew of the comics place. 151, the starship sent into, sorry, Colette, could you do it? Starship. What? Sorry, the US the USS <laughs> Comics Place 1511, who set out on a mission boldly to go... sent boldly going where no one has read before. In other Our... people's pants. Yes. <laughs> latching and unlatching. Our ongoing mission to read things so you can or don't have to at your leisure. Wonderful. <laughs> Colette, well done. I wish yeah. I had known that much. Uh, all right, cool. Well, I'm I'm Jeff. And Django already exhausted his question, I think. So thank God. Oh, yeah. As the boat pulls away. Yeah, so, oh, Jesus Christ. As the sun <laughs> pulls away from the shore and our boat sinks slowly in the west. I think that you mean it when the sun pulls out. So that's a Django word. <laughs> I'm Colette. <laughs> and I'm Roman. Keep watching the skies. Keep watching the stars. We'll see you next week.